You're listening to Behind the Mic on the Funnel Radio channel. Listen as Paul Roberts, Susan Finch, and Jim Obermeyer talk B2B podcasting tips for companies, speakers, authors, marketing teams, and the C-suite. Hey, so you ready to go? Here we go with another episode of Behind the Mic. With the man who's always behind the mic, even when he's sleeping, he's behind a mic. Jim Obermeyer. I do have I, I do have nightmares about <laughs> being behind the mic. <laughs> I, I really do. This is Jim Obermeyer today, and Paul Roberts, our studio kingmaker, our producer, <laughs> That's guy right. the Wizard of Oz, radio that um, produces our programs for us. The guy who has a million listeners a year in Orange County, California. Another 30 programs and 14 programs or so of our own that he helps us with. So it's great to have him here today on this episode of Behind the Mic. I have a question for Paul because Paul is going to answer this question for me. He's probably got a bunch of reasons and he's going to tell us what to do about it. Okay. Why do podcasts fail to get beyond the eighth? episode now everybody wants to do a podcast everybody's like they're just we started up two new ones in the last in the last week wow but something happens all of a sudden after about the eighth episode it things kind of fall apart oh i didn't get a chance to do it this week so let's put it off for a week and uh, you know one thing leads to another and pretty yeah. soon out of you know, a million podcasts 90 percent of them don't get past the eighth episode except those produced in the funnel radio channel absolutely with my Zoom voice today, as Susan Finch would call it, my <laughs> Zoom voice. But, Paul, why is it, as the expert, we put on 14 programs. We've probably produced 30 or 40 through the years. Right. You've produced hundreds, and you've seen them come and go, and some have been with you for 10 or 12 years, like us. Right. And others have been 8 or 10 10 or 12 shows. minutes, yeah, right. So what happens? What, what can someone do about this? And then what is the solution for these people who just... Oh, I just don't have time this week to do it. Let's put it off to Jim, next week. And I don't everybody know. in marketing says, Yay, he doesn't have to do it. And we don't have all that work to do. And they go, What's happening here? Well, let's dive into that. Because the easy answer is I don't really know all the answers why. I can guess, I can see some reasons. I think I know some reasons. But it's like anything, it's a commitment. Why do people drop their blog after a while? Why do they quit shooting video? Why do they quit doing all these things that they're supposed to do? I had somebody years ago say, I hate to admit this, because obviously they're paying us to help produce these things and put them out. He said, I hate to admit this, but I think I'm paying you just to hold me accountable, to make sure I do the things I'm supposed to be doing anyway. Because, gee, I'm paying Paul, and I'm paying Funnel, and I'm paying all these people here. I guess I better, I bought the slot, I guess I better use it here. I think it's something like that. I think there's a certain accountability that lacks because most podcasters do it out of their own. And it's easy to slip and say, not this week, too busy, do it next week. I'll write my blog next week. I'll publish the following after that. And, and you start falling behind and then it becomes, and what I say is everybody who wants to do a podcast immediately thinks it's what a fun thing. And it is, folks, it really is. But they quickly realize it can be a pain in the butt. I gotta get a guest next week and the following week I got to put this out. I got to publish it. I got to push it. I got to do something with it. Got to send it to the guest. Oh my goodness! I just want to have them come in and talk. I don't want to do all that back end work. So I think that's a lot. I think it's accountability to start with. There's nobody holding accountable. And secondly, I think it's just they underestimate the amount of time and effort it takes. 
to go into this. I think those are the first two. And then we, I know there's more we'll talk about, but those are my big two. Well, one of the things I have found is that the higher the title, the more likely that their shows get interrupted. So if it's a company president or mm. general manager or vice president, all of a sudden they've got meetings they've got to go to. And they said they don't have the time to continue. Well, this week I've got to skip it. And those kinds of things. And But I have an answer for that one. I, I agree yeah. with what you're saying. That's one of the reasons here on Funnel Radio and some of the other shows we produce uh, locally in our local radio station uh, here in Orange County, OC Talk Radio, we do them live. And everybody keeps saying, why? Because you want to hold the guest accountable. You want to hold the host accountable. Have them tell the world they're live Thursday at 2 o'clock, and they will run red lights to get here. They will, they will work around every problem they have. But tell them it's just a recording. It's a podcast whether it's internally or externally, whether we're going to a studio or whether we're doing it at our own studio, if it's just a recording, I'm busy. Book it for another day. And it gets put off and put off and put off. The shows that are just podcasts for us in our studio here where we just, I don't want to do live, just want to produce a podcast because I want it to be perfectly polished. I want to do 20 takes. I want to get it right. They never get it done because they're always an excuse. There's always something more important, and the, or the guest can't show up because it's more important. But when we've told them that it's going live at 2 o'clock, it's a plane to Hawaii, the plane's leaving with or without you, man, the hosts never miss and the guests never miss. We don't see as many problems as some people do. Mm-hmm. Now, I have recommended to some shows that they have two hosts, mm-hmm. And that helps, especially the the president of the company and the vice president. They go back and forth because one can always jump in. Mm-hmm. We've recommended they always have a show in the can. Absolutely. They recorded earlier. Right. And if something happens at the last minute, somebody sick. I mean, Matt Hines, really today, Matt Hines had a, a show scheduled. Right. And they couldn't do it because a webinar suddenly went over. So we popped in a previous show for him. And it will run for his audience. It will still appear as if it's live. It's new content. Nobody knows really whether it's being done live or not. But when it's live, I think three things happen. There's a different energy to it. It's one take. You can't start and stop it all the time here. So there's a certain nervousness and energy that happens. A live conversation, I think, is more interesting to listen to than something that's been assembled later. That's just my own personal feeling. But more importantly than all, it's honoring that commitment. You're telling the audience, I'm going to be here, and you start putting yourself out there and telling the world I'm going to do this, and people are holding you accountable because they're coming to listen. Or your engineer's calling up, or your producer's calling up saying, hey, I think that changes everything. Our shows almost never go out for that reason. They might leave later. They go, wow, this is really fun, but this was a lot of work. I hadn't anticipated that. But the fact that they just start putting it off and then it pretty soon it just peters out, that almost never happens when they do them live. Well, Matt Hines has been doing it for five years, and 98% of his shows are live. Yeah, We've only had a few that we've had to pop in a replace because a guest didn't show up or Matt was stuck on an airplane or something like that. The whole live thing is interesting because I know if we edit programs that are recorded – it might take an hour and a half, hour and 15 minutes, hour and a half to edit the recorded program. Right. So you get rid of the ums and ahs, et cetera. But a live program that's recorded that we get and we do the cleanup, the time for editing is half of that. Interesting. Yeah, because they're being more conscious of what they're saying. You're live. You're listening. 
you're recording your wandering. You think you can start and stop, and so you stammer. I never thought of it that way, but I'm sure you're exactly right. You get a better product when you do it live. You get a more consistent commitment from whoever is doing this, because they've got to be here live. And by God, they're paying for it, so I better do it. And they've told the world they're going to be here. I've told friends, family, colleagues, business associates, clients, I'm going to be here. I don't want to be embarrassed, so I've put myself out there. And the same thing with the guests. Whereas if it's not live, it's just a recording, and let's do it another time. I remember about four or five years ago for SLMA Radio, I had a guest scheduled, and he had sold his company some years before, and his company was one of the largest database companies in the country, Mm -hmm. and he'd sold it. He'd started another one three or four years afterwards, after his non-compete ran out, et cetera. And we had talked a couple of times, and I called him, and we're live on the program. (laughs) I don't know if you remember this, but... (laughs) I find that there's kids were talking in the background. It turned out we caught him in Las Vegas at his Las Vegas home. And I don't, <laughs> I don't know if Paul remembers this. And we, I said, oh, uh, so-and-so. I said, can you close the door? And he didn't close the door. He left it open. And he called his wife. He said, uh, Tanya, uh, close the door. Get the kids. I'm on the radio. Mm-hmm. And then you hear her say something. And he says, I don't know what the station is, but I'm on the radio <laughs> I'm on line. The radio. Just yeah. close the door. Right. It yeah. was it was the funniest thing. I'll give it you was an... a great show. And we had nothing. We had no we had no way. We had to we did it live. We took it out in the final edited podcast form, yeah. but it was funny. I'll give you a funny example I use to quote from all the time. We had somebody on one of our financial shows here locally. And they were going to interview somebody big that uh, was taking their company and listing it on the NASDAQ. And I guess you get to go ring the bell literally on Wall Street that day when your company gets listed. So big deal. The CEO, the founder, and his whole team, they're in New York. They're going to be live from NASDAQ. And then they're doing the show right after that. So we should have thought maybe this is a little suspect here but uh, because that can go wrong. Well, it did. And they it ran long, or they got caught in traffic, and the whole thing, and they and everybody's in a panic because we've told the world we're going live, like in ten minutes. This guy did the show from the cab. He was so insistent. Normally, he would have just said, "Hey, book it another day. This is a big deal for us." But he had made such a commitment and told so many people he was going live within his own community. We had told so many people going live. We did it live, all right, from the cab. And it was really a good interview. It was a little choppy in the sound. But it was exciting because he was pumped up. It wouldn't have been better if we'd done it a week later, a month later, when he found the time. We wouldn't have captured that in-the-moment excitement. He had just been on the floor of NASDAQ and rang the bell, and he was like a little kid. And we caught that. Even today, Matt Hines' Pipeline radio show, because his webinar or his speech, I, I don't remember which, was running late. He thought he'd be able to run out of the, run out of the auditorium sure. and get right on the program. The one we chose was David uh, Kierneman, and the program was entitled How to Repair the Warring Factions of Sales and Marketing. Mm-hmm. And it turned out that Matt was doing the show from his pickup truck in the parking lot he pulled (laughs) over yeah right and his sound wasn't very good but the guest sound was great and it's one it is the most listened to show on his so the assumption is no 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 i can't do it unless it's perfect it's another thing i'll say so why did these shows peter out 
they don't get what this is. This is a conversation, a real conversation, and they want it to be really perfect, really polished, really professional. I'm with you up to a point, but we live in a YouTube world. We value authentic, genuine, honest, open, real, vulnerable more than we do that you did 12 takes of this and finally got it to sound perfect. Well, most people that produce these shows, and we produce them for them, we they spend, uh, their staff spends maybe an hour and a half on every show. Mm-hmm. And then in producing the show for them, except for the studio time of the actual show, we spend another hour, hour and a half on it. Right. Sometimes two. But that's it. And it isn't too time consuming when you get in the, in the habit and you know what you're doing. It's really kind of interesting. Why don't we take a break now? Sure. Are you ready for that break? Let's do it, and then we'll and, come back and then and we'll talk come back it. and we'll look at more reasons why the people often who start a podcast stop after the eighth podcast. Okay. Well, we're not going to stop this show. We're going to keep going with it, and we want to uh, encourage you if you've ever even thought about doing a podcast, why not give it a shot? But don't look at eight episodes. Look at further ahead. We're going to talk about how this can become a permanent part of your marketing here. So if you've wanted to establish thought leadership, you've thought about building a personal brand, you have a story that you want to tell about your company, your origin story, your your purpose and passion, your uh, customer tales, all that's powerful way to be done with uh, the power of the spoken word. And we can show you how to do that. We can make podcasting easy so you can be heard by hundreds or thousands or millions. It doesn't really matter. It's You can get heard by who you want to be heard by. Separate yourself from the crowd. Contact Funnel Media today to bring your story to life. Make it easy and convenient. Just go to podcastsmadeeasy.com. That's plural because you've got to do more than one. Podcastsmadeeasy.com. That's a big part of it. People are used to once-and-done media. I put the ad in the yellow pages years ago. I put a little thought and effort into it. And I never thought about it. It's autopilot. People just call me up. They're looking for that same sort of repeatable once and done process. And in a world of social media where you got to tweet and post on pictures on Instagram and talk to your people on Facebook and blog and podcast and everything else, I think that's what people underestimate and lose enthusiasm for the commitment it takes. To produce constant quality content is not easy. At first, when I started the podcast, you remember nearly 12 years ago. Yeah. I, I remember you were very hesitant about it. You were like, I'm not sure I can do this, and I'm going to start yeah. bi-weekly, and I don't want to overcommit, and I don't think we I can. We started bi-weekly, yeah. and within a month, we were weekly. Yeah. And... It was easier than I thought, yeah. because I, suddenly I found it isn't just the guest. But if the guest doesn't show up at the last minute, we still have a show to go on. The show goes on. If it's recorded again, I, I want to keep hitting that point, but if it's recorded, then you'll just put it off. And then you put it off, and pretty soon you haven't done content in a while, and pretty soon it's just not working. Nobody's listening. It's, you're not in a consistent groove, and it just sort of drops off the radar. Matt Hines does a great monologue. Yes. And if somebody doesn't show up because of they, they were in a, a cab or plane didn't land or whatever the case might be. He goes. Matt goes on anyway, and he does a great, great monologue. Pat Morrissey from Altify did the same thing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of his shows didn't have any guests. Mm-hmm. He would have a great title, five or six points he wanted to make, and he'd let it rip. And it was 
really really great well let's talk about that for one second because you you i know you tagged me a couple of things you want to hit and i think that's a big one that's the number one fear i think people have and it's really the one false fear out of this i give you a hundred good reasons to do a podcast i can only give you one bad one it's a commitment you know once you start you can't just do it whenever you feel like it you've got to do it even if you're just recording it especially if it's live but even if you're recording it People are going to want to see this out in a consistent basis, whatever it is, once a week, once a month, whatever. But it can't just be random and whenever you feel like it. And that's the fundamental reason it fails. When people say to me, I can't get enough guests, I say baloney. I use the example of Jim Obermeyer, who told me once 12 years ago, I can't get enough guests to fill the weekly show. I don't know that enough many people. and I can't get them and everything. I said, it's easy. Who doesn't want to tell their story? You just reach out to them, and you can do it in a number of ways. You can, starting with just putting it on your LinkedIn profile. Hey, I have a show. People start contacting you. Hey, reaching out to local PR people. Hey, you got anybody that could fit this show? Reaching out to your community, your network, reaching out to your customers. It's easier than you think. And I remember Jim Obermeyer telling me, I said, Jim, 99% of the people you ask will say yes. He said, that's just not true. That doesn't happen in sales. I said, watch. And about a year later, I forgot that conversation, and you called me up. You're the only one in 12 years that's ever held me accountable to that claim. And you said, Paul, I've only had one person turn me down in like two years, and that was for some illness or sick. He said, I'm shocked. I literally can get anybody I want to reach through this. Talk about Well, some of that, Paul, was also the live nature of the show. Yeah. I said, look, I've got a live show once a week. At 10.30 a.m. At that time, the show was at 5 o'clock, but 10.30 a.m. in the morning, when it was at 5 o'clock, I was getting people at 9 o'clock in, in New York. Right. And 4 in the morning in England. Yeah, right. And Australia, it was crazy, but people said, I'll be there. I'll be there. Yeah. I still see agencies, podcast agencies, say, well, uh, you know, one of the things we do here is uh, we get you guests because it's so hard to do. No. It's... And somebody says that to me, and I said, they're just snowing you because it isn't yeah. hard to get guests. First of all, there's agencies that spend a lot of time on placing podcast guests today, and we get a lot of those yes, hitting us right. now because exactly. they know our program, so they come to us a lot. And the PR agencies come to us a lot. Right. But calling people up, hard to ever get a turn down. It is easy to get guests. I think those agencies do it just because they want more labor. I'll give you another great story. So I have another show um, on our network here, uh, The Next Chapter with Charlie. And he does a show. He's like a retired business coach, and he wants to figure out what's the next chapter in my life and everybody's life. And that's kind of his new passion and purpose. And he has kind of a, a continuing gig where he coaches people through this life change. All right. So he's always quoting this one book. I think it was called Dinner with Epicurus, something like that. And it was a New York Times bestseller. It was a big book a couple years ago, and he just loved it. it, Because this guy went back to Greece, and he sort of learned how to slow down and trace his Greek roots and and learn like Epicurus how to live in the moment, enjoy life, and, you know, savor things. And the whole book is his summer spent back in this little island where Epicurus lived. Okay. So he quoted from this book all the time. I said, why don't you get the author on? I said, this guy wrote a New York Times bestseller. He's not going to come on my little show. I said, you don't have a little show. you got an audience. Well, you got a regular audience that comes to listen to your show. Reach out to him. He'll, he won't even take my call. Reach out to him. We argued and debated. Finally, he finally said, all right, just to prove you wrong, when I get home tonight, I'm going to email this guy. I looked him up on Facebook or LinkedIn or something. I'm going to email him. I'm going to show you how wrong you are. He was so embarrassed. He emailed the guy through LinkedIn 
Within five minutes, within five minutes, the guy responded and said, sure, when would you like to have me on? It was that simple. It's a false fear. It really is. Interesting, and I certainly believe in that. What other issues, why do people drop after eight episodes? I was really surprised when I saw that research. I think it's mostly the time and effort that goes into the back end. The one thing that you guys do better than most and I think has been a big reason you hold, uh, hold on to your shows. I think there's two reasons. One, we're doing them live, so they get it's a commitment they're making to themselves, to their guests, to everybody, and that holds them accountable. But I think the other thing is you take care of all the back-end dirty work. I've had so many people, the number one reason we've lost shows isn't because it doesn't work, isn't because it isn't fun, isn't because they can't get guests. It's because, oh, my God, I'm an attorney, I'm an accountant, I don't have the time to push this out afterwards to literally write a little post because you can't just send it to YouTube, iTunes rather. You've got to put it somewhere and then push it to them, which means like a blog. It's really an outgrowth of audio blogging. You, you write a little post and you attach the right. audio to it. I don't have time to take the content and send it to the guests. It's the production afterwards. When I was in real radio a million years ago, it was really easy. As soon as the show was over, we walked out of the studio. Now the real work begins. You got to edit it. You got to publish it. You got to post it. You got to push it. You got to pull snippets out. You got to do various things with the content to reuse and repurpose it. And that's where people give up. And they say, I love the podcast, but I hate all this back end stuff. People like Funnel, I think, are, have emerged. And I think that's the real purpose of these other agencies like yours that have emerged. It's to help not just guide them through it, but to do all the back end stuff that they don't want to do. It becomes too tedious and time consuming. It does help them a lot because we learned a lot in how to get those posts read. Yeah. We've learned how to get them on all of the user agents, the Apple podcasts, et cetera. The agencies have learned how to edit these programs. We've learned how to write the post so it's found in SEO, so it's not paragraph upon paragraph. We've learned how to write titles that are stunning to get people interested. Yeah, Susan Uh, did an episode on that. It's something as simple as that. How do you write good titles to get people that really get read and really get people to open them? Which is really weird because we all know to get an email opened, you need to write a great subject line. And this is no different. Absolutely. I will tell you I've been doing this now. This is 2020 for those listening later. I started in 2010. And so in that period of time, I've done, well, usually 20, 25 shows a week for years now. They do come and go. But the ones that last make it part of their regular routine and make a commitment to do it weekly and doing it live helps hold them to that commitment, helps hold their feet to the fire because they tell people listen. But the ones who drop out are the ones that didn't anticipate how much work goes into the back end. Yeah. The payoff, Paul, is huge, though. Oh, it's it's enormous. I know two of our hosts who have been promoted to senior-level jobs in their companies, big senior-level jobs, after their podcasts were listened to. There you go. Well, I can tell with, you, with uh, Rick Franzi, who you know here was one of our first shows and has been one of our longest shows, he runs CEO peer groups, and so he uses this as a way to market and meet people and to build up his brand authority. Hey, I'm the guy that knows how to do this here in Orange County. He has tracked how many people he has met through this, how many leads he's generated, how many people have joined his peer groups. Just that. Plus, he's also tracks how many people referrals he gets and everything from it. And he claims not, you know, wildly that over the last decade he's probably made half a million dollars off of his podcast profit because of the it. connections and stuff he's made. So it it really does. He said, oh, my God, I realize I'm paying you, forcing me to do what I should do, which is go out and meet people, start conversations. 
It's too easy to put that off. The basic marketing is too easy to put off these. If we all, Jim Overmare, the, the, the famous quote from Jim Overmare, I always use and everybody laughs. You know, how do you want to double your sales? Respond to all your inquiries. How many people just don't even follow up when they go through all this effort to get somebody to contact you and we just don't have the time to contact them and they go somewhere else? Simple stuff like that. I think that's the blocking and tackling. Well, the podcast hosts that we've had invariably, even if their programs only last two or three years and they move on, they have established a thought leadership for their companies, thought leadership for themselves and their co-hosts, marketing communication specialists who are handed these podcasts to do suddenly be- become known by literally hundreds of thousands of people out there in some of their programs, and we've had some that have been that long, mm-hmm. that large over that period of time. It's a great way to create content, and over time, the people that stick with it and get to the 10th or 12th or 15th show have a tendency to stick with it. This is Jim Obermeyer, your host today from the Funnel Media Group behind the mic, and my partner today is... Paul Roberts, OC Talk Radio, and other things. And a million listeners a year on Paul's shows. Until next week, Paul, thanks a lot. Keep talking. Keep doing it. All right. (laughs) (laughs) You've been listening to Behind the Mic on the Funnel Radio Channel. Never miss an episode. Be sure to subscribe at FunnelRadioChannel.com or in your favorite podcast app. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Blueberry, TuneIn, and more. 